this morning. As we look at this section, what we will discover is Jesus, the extent of Jesus' love for us. That's the purpose. He's expressing his love to his disciples and also to us as we read through this narrative. So John chapter 13, right through to the end, there's two kind of divisions in the book of John. 1 to 12 and then 13 to 21. And it's taken up in 13 to 21 with Jesus' departure to go to be with the Father. And so then that's why we get the idea of Jesus preparing his disciples for that event happening. Whenever he leaves them, what are they going to do? How are they going to live? What's going to be the the priority for them? How are they going to cope whenever he's not there? So all of those things are questions that are in the disciples' minds as Jesus then comes to them in this section in chapter 13, right through to the end, whenever they go through with him all that God has planned. So John points out, as Phil read for us, at the very start of this section, that the time has come for Jesus' departure to go to be with his Father, having loved his own who were in the world. So what is happening here, what, what that tells us is that everything that is about to happen is perfectly timed and planned by God, just like our vacancy. Everything is perfectly timed and planned by God. Even the events of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension, to go to be with the Father. What they will experience, the disciples, in the next few days is all part of God's plan to reveal his glory and to bring hope to mankind. That's exciting. That's the hope that we have as we look at our lives, as we look at the life of Jesus, that God is planning something which will bring glory to him and hope to us. And so Jesus and his disciples are sitting together in the upper room and something very strange, are sitting in this room together and something really strange happens. In this culture, uh, whenever people came together, if they'd been walking a distance, if guests had been walking for a while and, and they came into the house, a slave or a servant would have been tasked to wash the feet of those who had come and entered as guests. As they are sitting, no one has done this. Nobody has got up or come in to wash anybody's feet. No one has offered. No one seems to want to do it. Jesus gets up, fills a basin of water, takes off his outer clothing and puts on a towel. And we're told, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Do you maybe need to hear that this morning? He loved them 
to the end, not just for a period of time whenever he thought they were doing really well. Not just whenever they thought, oh, I'm doing a good job here. I'm doing all the right things. I'm, I'm being spiritual today. So I must, I must be loved by Jesus. He loved them to the end. If you think about their lives and how they, how they acted and reacted and some of the things they did, did and said. And he loved them to the end. And now, through this basin of water, he's about to show them the extent of his love. That this is not just love that goes halfway. He's going to show them the extent of his love. Jesus in humility and service takes on the role of a servant or a slave and demonstrates his love for his disciples by washing their feet. Now, I don't know about you, but if I brought a basin out here this morning and uh, we decided we were going to wash feet, I wouldn't want you washing my feet. You know, if you just think about that, this provided refreshment for tired, dirty, and sore feet. What an act of humility. How much was Jesus showing his love for his disciples by doing that? Whenever he really wasn't supposed to. But he did. But not only that, this was actually an act which symbolized what Jesus was going to do in service on the cross at Calvary. Jesus will wash the dirt from us, which is hindering us from accessing the presence of God the dirt of sinful thoughts, sinful words, sinful actions, which have spoiled our relationship with God and alienated us from him. But he also washes the dirt which others have put into our lives through sinful actions, causing hurt and pain and sometimes leaving scars which take a long time. Jesus' humble act of service in washing his disciples' feet tells them that they are loved and that he's able to wash them and make them clean. Isn't that incredible? That Jesus is able to wash our feet and make us clean. You see, their identity is in him. Their righteousness is given by him. Their sin, their guilt, their shame, they are all dealt with by Jesus. That's why John says in 1 John chapter 4, in verses 10 and 11, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And just as he loved us, so we also love one another. Jesus reminds us that he came into this world not to be served, but
but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's exactly what he's doing for his disciples as he sits down with that basin of water and the towel. He's showing them the extent of his love. He's serving them. And the reality is that that's what he does for us as he serves us. You allowing him to serve you this morning in this way? Washing your feet? To make you clean? To provide refreshment? To take away the dirt? Don't let anything stand in the way of that. Fear, pride, doubt, greed, friendships. Because in him there is life as he makes us clean. There's an interesting encounter that happens just as this develops. The encounter takes takes place between Jesus and Peter. And Peter showing that he has really no clue what's going on. Do you know whenever you're watching 1% and you get some of the questions and you're thinking, I have no idea. Or you see the answer and you think, how did I not get that? It all seems so simple. And yet, as you look at the questions, even some of the bigger percentage questions, it's hard to understand sometimes. Hard to understand lots of things sometimes. Well, Peter doesn't understand what's going on here. Peter's impetuous, as you know. He just reacts and then thinks, speaks, and then suddenly realizes, actually, maybe I shouldn't have said that. He cuts off the soldier's ear, thinking that he was protecting Jesus. He reacts to Jesus speaking about the cross by declaring his undying love that he would never leave him and he would be with him. And and then we hear him denying Jesus to a servant girl because he's frightened of the consequences. Peter, just reacting, just saying the first thing that comes into his head and then thinking about it. Now Jesus is about to wash his feet and he reacts as Peter can and does. Are you serious? Are you really going to wash my feet? You can't do that. I'm not going to let you do that. This is not your role, Jesus. And so Peter was going to protect Jesus from this action. Because he understood, well, Jesus, you don't do things like that. All he could see was a humiliating act for Jesus. No one else seemed to be prepared to do it. And Peter was going to make sure it wasn't going to be Jesus. And so I suppose maybe sometimes like us, Peter wants to take control of the situation. 
He was going to sort things out so that Jesus wasn't going to be humiliated. But actually, in taking control, he was hindering the work of the kingdom. His words, you will never wash my feet. While Peter's intention was to protect Jesus, and while it would seem to exalt Jesus, we're actually preventing God from doing a work in Peter's life. He was setting himself above Jesus, stopping Jesus from fulfilling the will of the Father and disqualifying himself from spiritual blessing, actually. And so Jesus speaks to Peter to tell him about the danger of this, that he's actually not doing what God wants. And Jesus is truthful with Peter. As he says to him, you don't understand what is happening. You don't understand now, but later you will. Later you'll look back on this and you'll get it. Because actually the spirit of truth will teach you the truth. He will help you to understand what this is all about and why this had to happen. And so Jesus helps Peter to understand what is happening whenever he says to him, in effect, Peter, if I don't wash you, you don't belong to me. Gosh, that's that's pretty strong, isn't it? Peter, if I don't wash you, you don't belong to me. If I don't wash you, you're rejecting me as your saviour and your Lord. And it's only as Peter comes humbly before Jesus to ask for the washing that Jesus is then able to make him clean. Asking for the washing. That's the point that Jesus wanted Peter to get to. Asking Jesus this morning to make you clean. Because if I don't wash you, you don't belong to me. He then responds by telling Jesus to wash his whole body, to get, wash the whole lot. I want everything washed. As Jesus speaks to, about washing Peter's whole body and washing his feet, I think two things are, are meant here. There's two possible, possible washings. The first one is the washing of Jesus and that once and for all washing. And that comes as we respond to what Jesus has done for us on the cross whenever he took our punishment for our sin. He gave his life as a ransom for many, serving us. And when we come in repentance and faith, we receive his new life in his spirit. That comes as we respond to Jesus. And this happened. This happened for Peter. Because Peter explains in his letter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, he says this. 
He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed, or you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter got it. That's why he was able to write those words that he was washed clean through that once and for all sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that we celebrate at Easter particularly. The once and for all washing which makes us clean, which Jesus deals with our sin, deals with our relationship with God. He brings that connection with God so that we are given access into his very presence. But then he talks to you about the washing of our feet. The second washing comes on a daily basis. Whenever we seek forgiveness for, for, for what happens in our lives, for the everyday, as we lose focus, sometimes even disobedient in our relationship with God, sometimes careless. Those times whenever we fall short, even of what we expect ourselves, the times whenever we struggle and we feel we've let God down, that's the washing of our feet in the everyday. Again, John reminds us in, earlier in the letter that he writes, uh, in John, 1 John 1, verses 8 to 10, he says, if we claim to be without sin, so we're all in the same boat here. There's none of us any better than anybody else. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So there you have the encouragement. This is the, the continual washing of our feet every day that we need to go and ask Jesus to wash our feet. Because the reality is that we, we do sin. We do fall short. We do things that we, we don't like and don't want to do. Paul even said that. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. The things I, don't, I do do, sometimes I, I shouldn't be doing. But that's the reality of our daily washing in which we are made clean spiritually. I suppose it's like having a, a shower, a bath every day, especially after physical exercise, after sport and you go into the shower and you think, gosh, this is great. It feels so good. It feels so clean after it. I wonder this morning, if you had the experience of Jesus washing you, and like Peter, yeah, wash my whole body as well. Wash everything, Jesus. I want it all clean in your eyes. Washing in that sense that he has said, we belong to him because he has washed us. Washing our feet, ministering his forgiveness in a new way every day that we might know that we have life in him. 
And just as we're reminded in Scripture, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's the reality of what that means. That Jesus is able to wash us every day of our lives to make us clean. Every morning, every evening, whenever we come and we, we ask him to. But as the narrative goes on, Jesus asks a very important question to his disciples. He asks the question, do you understand what I have done to you? As he has washed their feet, as he has come into their lives, do you understand what I have done to you? What a question. Because this action is surprising and takes them unawares that that they actually do need to understand what it's all about. Maybe that's a question we would do well to ask ourselves, myself included, all of us, just to, to ask ourselves this morning, do we understand what Jesus has done for us? Do we? Have we got it? Understand what God is doing in our lives? What he's saying to us in our lives? Oh, it's not always easy to work that through. But just to know what God is doing in our lives each day as he makes us more like Jesus to realize what he has done for us through his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven to go to be with the Father. It takes time and energy to work that through and to to understand, to see that connection with God. But Jesus brings us back down to earth with a bump as the narrative progresses. Because he brings us back into the situation of feet washing by saying this. If I, as your Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You know, in trying to work out what that actually means, does that mean that we should be getting the basins out and, you know, saying, can I wash your feet? Well, well some, some actually do that and feel that's important. But I think here Jesus is challenging us about our perception of ourselves, of who we are, and our attitude towards others. He's telling us that our love for others, like him, is expressed in our humble service. And our humble service of them. Peter thought he was loving Jesus by assuming authority and and sorting him out and not letting him wash his feet. Peter thought he was loving. And he was doing the best in the situation. But yet Jesus says to him, I have given you an example and now I want you to follow what I have done. Again, later on in, in that same chapter of chapter 13 in John's Gospel, verse 34, Jesus adds... As I have loved you, so you ought to love one another. That that my love for others 
has got to reflect his love for me. Now, as I consider his love for me, I'm thinking, gosh, that is a tall order. As he has served me in washing my feet, in going to the cross, in being raised from the dead, as I think about the sacrificial commitment of his love for me, then I've got to share that with others. People will know that I love Jesus as I reveal his likeness. And Jesus is saying I will be blessed in doing that. This is a call for those of us who have had our feet washed by Jesus in that sense to serve others. To go and to to discover where that need is and to meet it. And even at times to allow others to wash our feet, to serve us. Because if I'm going to serve others with the servant heart of Jesus, then I've got to allow others to serve me in that same way. As we come together today for worship, how might we serve others? How can, how can we serve our spouses? How can we serve our family, our friends, our colleagues? It is easy, isn't it, to make all kinds of excuses and say, well, you know, I'm tired. I had a tough day today. I deserve some peace and I'd just be able to sit down and relax. Or, or maybe even, well, that's not my job. I think my job's some, somewhere else. Yes, I see the need, but somebody else can look after that. Or maybe even, well, I don't deserve that. Or I wasn't aware of that. No, didn't, didn't know about that. Serving others, isn't it? It's, a, it's about knowing and, and trying to find out where those needs are. And then seeking as best we can to meet them as we wash others' feet. Where do we see the need today? Where have you seen the need to wash someone's feet, to provide in a way that perhaps even only you can because of the gifts that you have. Not necessarily standing up at the front, but getting alongside somebody, giving time to somebody, listening to what they're saying, maybe encouraging them with with some kind of words or some kind of action. about random acts of kindness as we've heard that phrase used before. Do you know, as we think about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, earlier on in the first chapter of John's Gospel, we're told about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and basically he put things into place, and those hands that 
were used for that are also used for washing his disciples' feet. Feet washing is what Jesus is calling us to, isn't it? As we serve other, serve one another. But I was kind of struck as well by this whole narrative and, and particularly looking at the role of Judas. And he's there. Jesus washes his feet. He eats the bread and drinks the wine. And yet Jesus knew Judas' heart. And Jesus is prepared to wash his feet. What we glean from this section is that Judas gave the devil an opportunity in his life. And it led to betraying Jesus. The devil put it in his heart. There was no resisting of the devil that he would flee from him. He was prepared to sacrifice his relationship with Jesus for money. He was prepared to betray Jesus who had treated him as a friend. But then Jesus calls his deception out. In truth, Judas didn't really want Jesus washing him at all. There was the last minute opportunity here for repentance and faith for new life to change the direction even in Jesus' presence. But he doesn't take it. And so having had his feet washed, Judas takes the bread and dips it in the wine. And Jesus had explained what it symbolizes. But for whatever reason, Judas leaves. And I think it's significant because it says that Judas walks right into the darkness. The truth was that he had rejected the light of Christ. And so Judas couldn't continue. He couldn't because he had rejected Jesus. His heart wasn't clean, it wasn't washed. But what we also see here is that even though Satan had tried, he had put it all in Judas' heart, he still couldn't derail the love of God in Christ. He couldn't stop the power of the kingdom. Satan and all his armies, and even using Judas, couldn't stop Jesus from going to fulfill the plan that God had set about for our salvation. Isn't that amazing in the fact that for us it's the same? Satan will not stop God's work in our lives as we seek him. We can take courage. And Jesus says here, he's telling these things about Judas so that whenever they happen, his disciples will believe in him and know eternal life, which is what the purpose of John's book is all about, John's gospel. To know and believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and to have life in him. Jesus washing his disciples' feet. What a demonstration of love for his disciples and for us as he washes us and makes us clean. Even in the encounter with the impetuous Peter, the encouragement for us to seek Jesus, the challenge for us to wash others' feet 
so we can demonstrate that love of God in Christ and to realize that nothing can thwart the purposes of God in our lives or in the kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your word and for the encouragement that you give to us in it, that we can look to you in faith and in trust. So continue to walk with us. Help us that we might be able to to know the reality of you washing us and making us clean and washing our feet every day of our lives. Lord, just help us to have confidence in you and know that you love us and that you're able to walk with us in our journey as you lead us in the days ahead. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.